This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. UFC 242 just took place in Abu Dhabi and we were there live watching the action. The support was incredible, especially for the seven Dagestani fighters on the night. The fighters adapted to the weather conditions and the results had some knockout finishes. Coming up, we review all the fights and action backstage on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 95. 95. Every day. Pulse 95. It's a Sharka story. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Everyone is recovering from fight week. There was plenty coming into the lead up to the UFC 242. How the fighters would handle weight cut. The weather conditions were scorching. And as we found out last week when we spoke to Anas, who's a mixed martial artist, you never really go into fights 100% healthy. Injuries might have sustained in pre-camp. Old injuries could have happened. Everything plays a part in the way you structure your training coming into the fight. Now, I was there and it was incredible. This is normally kept confidential within camp so that the opponent doesn't use that to his advantage strategically. Now, regarding the conditions in the area, uh, I was present and 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 a combination of the humidity, weather, and amount of people present felt like a sauna. Now, this was certainly clarified when the event was over and we were all ushered out through the same gates, which was on the complete opposite side of the arena where we were allowed to park our cars as media. Tough, I know. Now, those who have been will understand when I say it took us 45 minutes to walk around the outside of the arena in which the conditions were horrendous. Now, I can only imagine how the fighters felt or even the fans. I personally, despite having the honor of representing Pulse 95 Radio Media, I actually enjoyed coming in with the fans and getting the feel of the atmosphere. You know, there were times I stuck around to speak to a few fans about the event and what they expect, and it was extremely positive. Everyone was super excited, everyone was buzzing. But there were two brothers who met me on the way in and had flown in from Brazil just to watch the Edson Barboza and Felder fight. They met Henry Cejudo and Kevin Gastelum in the meet and greet and got up close and personal with them as well. Now, as a fan, I love seeing people's reactions when they meet their sports idols. And previously, I've discussed on the show the gulf between athlete and fan and how they seem to be from like another planet. Uh, shout out to Lana, who uh, who was really impressive on her insight on the fighters and what they have to offer. She was from Jordan and appreciated the level of skill due to her love for Muay Thai and striking. The UAE is opening its doors to host major events in a way that shows how far we've come and how how people from all around the world want to be part of it. We have the tools. With more experience, I'm sure there will be some incredible nights of sports action. The UFC has signed the deal with the UAE to have more shows here. So stay tuned for more on your favorite mixed martial artists. You know, come. You know, that's something that is very exciting for the UAE because now it has that platform to be able to demonstrate a lot of different events, including the events in the sports world and UFC. You know, you could tell how passionate the fans were, how excited they were about being, you know, part of this event. You know, it, it got 
packed towards the main card, which everyone wanted to kind of see their favorites. Edson Barboza and Paul Felder and Khabib Nogamadmedov and and even, even Dustin Poirier. He had a great reception. But coming up next, we review the winners and losers of UFC 242 Abu Dhabi, only here on the Heart of Sharjah on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. It's a Sharjah story. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Maduri on Pulse 95. Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to the Halftime Show. If you're just tuning in, and want to catch up on any of our episodes of The Halftime Show, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Just type in The Halftime Show or Omar Duri. If you like it, share it. If you share it, review it. And today we are recovering from fight week at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. We started off the night with Don Madge, who I actually had the privilege of interviewing the South African prodigy following his victory over uh, Faris Ziem. Now, definitely one to watch for the future. You know, he was, he, he was very... Uh, he's very hyped up with his Muay Thai background coming into the UFC and with his impressive early knockout, definitely put a statement on the cards. Now, he did fight Faris Yam. It was a change of opponent, actually, just before um, getting prepared for this camp. So that would have been interesting in how he adapted his style to a different fighter last minute. But next up also was Omari Ahmedov, who defeated Zach Cummings 30-27, 30-27 and 29-28 on the scorecard. He, to be honest, it was very interesting the atmosphere to see the fight fans watching the early prelims, and that's something that I, I really try try to observe how they would respond to, you know, the early prelims because normally people get very very hyped up about the main card, but the diehard fans, the diehard fans are the ones that that watch from the very first second of the show. You know, it's part of the atmosphere. And Muslim Salikov defeated Nordin Talib via an impressive knockout at 4 minutes and 26 seconds in the first round. Now, Salikov has finished most of his fights in the first round and definitely got people's attention after this fight. Salikov called out Li Jungling next and was more than happy to take the fight in China following his popularity there. And that was something when I was doing my research into looking into this. Normally, you know, the fighter will get intimidated by going to, you know, the opposing fighter's backyard. But... Salikov showed no fear of that and actually said he has fans out there. So he he took the chat, he he challenged um he challenged Li Jingling and said he wants to go fight out there. Bilal Muhammad was up next and took uh, as he fought Takashi Sato and boy did he raise the roof with his entrance song. Muhammad defeated Sato at welterweight via submission at 1 minute 55 seconds of the third round which earned a huge ovation. Muhammad told us after the fight, I knew I had to you know, put on a show, a great show for the Middle East. This is my home crowd. And it did feel like that. Uh, Muhammad actually is from Palestine, but lives out, you know, in the US and really absorbed the atmosphere and used it every second to his advantage. And you can tell he loved being out there. I wanted to put a show on. Uh, Ottoman Azaitar, as well, representing Morocco, defeated Timo Pakalin at 3 minutes 33 seconds in round one with an explosive knockout as well. Something happened to my left hand, he said, so my left hook was gone, and that's why he used his right. That's when I knew I had to go for the knockout, and what a knockout it was. Um, Pakalin was actually shaking on the floor, which was kind of worrying, but thankfully he was safe. And as he stood up to his feet, you know, it was good to see the crowd get behind him and give him a round of applause. 
Sarah Morris uh, from Canada became the first female to win a UFC fight in Abu Dhabi following her victory over Liana Jojo at bantamweight via TKO in round three at two minutes, 26 seconds. It was her last fight on her contract. So let's see if Dana White chooses to renew and offer her um, more following her failure to make weight for the fight. And for those that were tuned in earlier this week, we did talk about how hard it was to cut weight and make your fight weight for the week. And she struggled with that. That might be, um, you know, the the difference with her earning a new contract. When I heard her speak after, I put a few things in perspective, which we may miss sometimes. The crowd can be a tough crowd when things don't end, end out, you know, spectacularly. These fighters don't play UFC. They fight for a living. This is their life. And when she said, I have so much more to give, I hope they give me a new contract and a chance to show it. I kind of felt a little bit sorry for her. You know, it's uh, it's a tough world, the fight business. And not something that we take lightly. It does put things in perspective. Next up after that was Zubera Tukhugov, if I can pronounce that properly, as he fought Leroy Murphy. Uh, the conditions were very humid, and it was a split decision draw, which wasn't which wasn't a favorite with the fans when they heard that. Now, despite Zubera being the fan favorite for this fight, you could tell he hasn't fought in three years. You know, clearly that that could tell at the end of the. Uh, the fight where he had to be carried out. Murphy was very impressive and could find himself extremely unlucky to come away with just a draw. He took the fight on late notice and looked more fresh than Tukov, who had a full fight camp. So that shows, you know, how impressive that performance was. And especially when he had to be carried out. I was watching him and he looked like he was he was literally about to pass out. He, he'd given everything in the fight and had to be carried back to the locker room. Um, and no surprise, actually got some rest straight after that and didn't really speak to anyone. Jojo Calderwood uh, defeated Andrea Lee in the women's flyweight via split decision. Uh, Jojo's one of those fighters you just you just want to do well. You know, she's hardworking, honest, and doesn't get caught up in the hype. You know, she just wants to improve. And you can see that by the way she conducts herself. For those that remember, she was on The Ultimate Fighter and she was from Scotland. A very proud uh, Scott as well and... and I, I personally really enjoy watching her. I like listening to her interviews as well. And, and she was very insightful afterwards, very honest and, and told everyone that she wants to do better. She wants to grow and she's learning with every fight. Diego Ferreira defeated, uh, defeated Merbek Taizomov at lightweight via unanimous decision. Ferreira pushed a hard pace for 15 minutes and deservedly got the win, which should see his rankings improve. The uh, the South American was uh, was was very very humble in uh, in victory and and you know absorbed all all the fans those who did cheer from remember it was a very very um, it was a very biased crowd towards the Russians you know obviously with the visa issues not being able to go to the US I was I was really happy to see how many people flew out from Russia and Dagestan to see their seven fighters and this was one of them uh, talking about Dagestani fighters Islam Makachev defeated. Um, Ramos via unanimous decision despite Ramos's explosive start to the fight both athletes were in incredible shape the fan favorite Makachev also had the unanimous decision support from the crowd and the arena that were all behind him his strategy was to wear out the BJJ specialist before taking the ground and pound and that's exactly how you know the fight went eventually although uh, Ramos was was really impressive you know in uh, in, in the way he fought um, and also the way he was able to absorb, you know, a lot of the pressure that was brought his way. And talking about pressure, Curtis Blades 
you know, seemed to enjoy his victory over Shamil Abdurakhimov. I'm trying to get these names right, guys. Bear with me. Um, business as usual for Blades as he took Shamil to the ground and finished him, reinvigorating his reputation, you know, in the UFC following his his losses to um, Francis Ngannou, who's a massive hitter uh, in that division. And, and, and you can see that, you know, with these fighters, when they do get the victory, it's back to the drawing board and who's next. Straight away, you know, you see a lot of the people ask you know, who's coming up next? Who's going to fight next? And and if you have a name, you call them out. If not, you just want to raise up the rankings, especially if you're in the top 10 or top 5. Um, it really does, you know, kind of state the path for you. Paul Felder controversially beat Edson Barboza in a split decision. Now, the two have obviously faced each other before, and the co-main event had a lot of heat, especially as Barboza had won the first match, and both fighters improved their skills since then. And then my issue with this fight wasn't that Felder won it, it could have gone either way, um, but what I was bemused about was the scorecard. You know, how the judges could score either fighter 30-27 each was baffling. It definitely wasn't that much in each round. I know Barbosa obviously got one and Felder got one, then it was kind of a, a split a split decision, but I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't too convinced by that. And I'm sure the fans as well, you could hear the booing because there was no, you know, there was no clear-cut decision. Uh, Barbosa's volume in the first round was insane, especially with his game. T- you know, his game plan was to chop Felder to restrict movement, and Felder's endurance to fight back and arguably win him the fight in the third round was admirable to show his conditioning and, and what kind of state he was in. There's always, what can I say? You know, there's always that saying, don't leave it to the judges. And especially with MMA scoring, I mean, it had a long way to go. We talk about boxing being corrupt sometimes in the scorecard and MMA you know I don't know it's sometimes when you don't finish the fight you know it isn't in the judges hands and you never know who could be there you know unless it's someone that's been a veteran and skilled for so many years it's hard to tell but coming up next we talk the main event as yes Khabib the man Khabib continues his legacy against Dustin Poirier what Next for the undefeated champion. We'll be right back after the break for the main event. Stay tuned on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's a Shaja story. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Welcome back to the Halftime Show as we are catching our breath following the UFC 242. Now, where do I get started? The talk leading into UFC 242 was clearly the main event and clearly didn't disappoint. If this was a football match, Habib was home and the stadium was full of Habib fans from all around the world. There was Habib wigs everywhere and, and Russia was in the house for sure. Now, leading up to the fight, we discussed... Habib's toughest opponent was his weight cut because once that obstacle was faced, it would be business as usual. His father and family being around him was another advantage as the cultured fighter emphasizes a lot on family and his spiritual beliefs. And you can see, you can see exactly by the way he was leading up to this fight that he meant business. Habib avoided the day before weigh-ins to do his media obligations as he wanted to focus on losing the weight for the fight. And to be fair, 
as much as I wanted to see him, uh, he did. You know, after making weight cut, he chose to address the media and was slightly aggravated when asked several times about his father. Habib appeared in extraordinary shape and looked as powerful as ever. When you see him in person, this man who's quiet showed unreal power and explosiveness in his conditioning. Now, normally with weight cuts and the way the body has been depleted, you can tell by the fighter's energy levels how the fight might deteriorate, especially towards the latter rounds. And it being a championship fight, it's five rounds rather than three. So that was another thing we had to take into consideration. Dustin Poirier's rise has been unquestionable as time after time he has developed earning the right to challenge Habib. His victory over Max Holloway surprised me and a few fans and, st and stylistically I wonder how Holloway would have approached this fight in Abu Dhabi. Now when a fighter is so skilled at a martial art, surely you identify his weaknesses in the other disciplines and look to counter that. Now despite that, Poirier was damn near in the night in the, he was damn near in the right place at the right time after his guillotine came close to, you know, elicitating a tap out of Khabib. Now let's talk about that for a second. For those that watched the fight, why was that so impressive? Because the calmness and composure under the kind of pressure shows the true marks of a champion that might not be the greatest of all time yet but edging closer to it with every minute and when we saw that normally when put in that scenario you panic you you react which causes a slip in concentration resulting in the offense punishing you now I couldn't believe when the scenario was presented to the crowd, slight adjust in the hip, suffocating the core might have been the fine line for Dustin Poirier and the difference on the night between winning and losing. However, I couldn't help but think of who Habib trains with and what and what they they put him through. Daniel Cormier is one of his team members. And can you imagine how much pressure, you know, being in a guillotine from DC, from Daniel Cormier on Habib before with all that weight Surely that would, you know, help you get used to having that kind of pressure on. And muscle memory and the confidence to remain calm and composed must have made him feel like he was always going to counter. The guillotine might have just added to that Poirier fairy tale that, you know, UFC fans have noticed. Full credit goes to the manner Poirier conducted himself and leading up to the fight and during it. Perhaps when we watch it back, and when he watches it back with his teammates, he would have tactically done things differently. But in hindsight, many things <laughs> appear different. In my opinion, he has nothing to be, show, uh, to be ashamed of. Khabib is just in a league of his own. You know, the small adjustments and movements he does makes, you know, like pioneers of the sport take note of Khabib. And they've discussed it. And Chael Sonnen was open about how he watches Habib and analyzes maneuvers he never saw. Now, this coming from an, a former champion and, you know, a, a wrestling idol, you know. For us fans, the simple lock of the wrist, the foot trap, or even how he positions his leg to restrict his opponent from any mobility is genius. And speaking of that, what next for the champion? The only person who, in my opinion, has a chance and has been knocking on the door is Tony Ferguson, someone who is incredible in his movement, very hard to match his pace and very awkward to fight against. Surely that is next for both fighters. I know plenty has been said about Conor McGregor and what his comeback fight will be, but quite frankly, right now, it is Khabib time. And it, Ferguson cannot challenge that if if he if they don't put them together this division might as well be locked down <laughs> i'm sorry but you might as well close it now because the pressure and the condition that habib is in 
is just in a league of its own. What do you guys think? Text us on 4215 do or slide into our DMs on Pulse95 Radio or at Omar Durian. Let me know what next for the champion. Did you enjoy the fight? Who was your fight of the night? You know, more coming up on Pulse95. This is the halftime show with Umar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yes, yes, welcome back to the halftime show with Omar Adouri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. And boy, what a week. I'm exhausted just by by being in, at fight camp and the showdown week and seeing the fighters back in action. It was unreal. And what an experience it was for those that flew all around the world to be part of it. Massive shout out to all those people I spoke to on the night. Uh, Master out to Mohammed Akawi as well for all his help. It was unreal, you know. And, and what did you guys think of the event? You know, for those that did... Um, did attend UFC 242. What was your experience? What was your standout moment? Um, who impressed you the most? I know there was, uh, there was the bonuses were given out to four fighters that night. But who was your fighter of the night? It definitely did set up, especially um, the main card. You know, what would you like to see? And who would you like to see fight next? Obviously, a lot's been spoken about in terms of um, Israel Adesanya, Robert Whittaker. Uh, you know, John Jones has been quiet. There's a lot of these super fighters. Um, one I would love to see, and I'm kind of old school when it comes to that, is GSP. I mean, George St. Pierre was, is actually my, my favorite. You know, the model athlete. He was a master at every single skill he, you know, he did. He he um, he trained with trainers like um, uh, boxing coaches and wrestling coaches. And Freddie Roach was the standout boxing coach for me. You know the fact that Manny Pacquiao's coach now and the person who, in my eyes, is one of the best boxing coaches out there. I mean, you know, this is how much dedication they put into it. The skill set and the idea that everyone tries to get into this is is unreal and, and unprecedented, especially with George St. Pierre. There was talks about Habib fighting George St. Pierre, and I and in my opinion, he wanted to fight him, but the UFC didn't really fancy it that much. With GSP, he's the type of person, especially under his coach, uh, Faris Sahabi, who's also one of the best coaches out there in jiu-jitsu. Um, and he has a very interesting um, state of mind when it comes to coaching. He, you know, he believes in staying in flow state, which means he doesn't believe in training every day 100%. He believes staying at 60 to 70% of your maximum so you can flow state through the week, which adds more volume at the end of the month rather than doing four 100% sessions of your maximum capacity and then facing fatigue or recovery. So he, he would definitely have the science locked down on GSP if and if this dream came true that GSP would fight Habib. I'm telling you now, it would be an incredible matchup um, and one the fans would... It's almost like playing a computer game, you know, for those people that are into computer games. When you finally match your favorite fighters, you know, past and present, that's what you get and that's what I would love to see personally. But what I loved was the... 
you know, at the end of the fight um, between Pori and Khabib, they, they switched shirts. And I, I kind of watched that and wondered, they do that in other sports, especially like, let's say, football or as you call it, soccer for some people out in the US. Um, they change shirts as memorabilia. But Khabib exchanged shirts and then donated it to Poirier's charity of choice. I mean, what a classy guy, you know. Um, it, that, that for me was was a very touching moment, especially that, you know, um, Poirier really believes in, in giving back. And we've spoken about that on the Halftime Show in, in previous podcasts and previous live shows. Do the athletes give back enough to, um, you know, to the fans, to the people watching, to their communities? And that was a real touch of class. You know, I, I loved watching that. Uh, text coming in from, from Mo, uh, Mo Jurad saying um, he was very impressed with the fight and actually thought Habib was in fantastic condition. Uh, text coming in from Sarah saying uh, she expected more from the female fighters. Interesting. Um, you know, especially when we mentioned Sarah Maras' uh, failed weight cut as well. You know, there's a there's a, a big focus now at the moment on women competing in sport, and rightfully so. You know, they deserve to get the credit. But surely Sarah Maras is not doing them any favors by not making weight, especially that the sport is on an up now. And you want the best fighters to fight. With people like Chris Cyborg being released, you know, you wonder, you know, what, what the levels are at now, especially with Amanda Nunez just dominating every division. Um... And we've also got a text from uh, from Sam uh, Sam one six four saying uh, how he thought that the coverage um, you know didn't give enough in terms of uh, the backstage in terms of that. I think that's probably because there was so much going on on the night um, that you know it was hard to to stay intact. Because even when I was watching the fight, I was watching the fight, and the previous uh, winners and losers would go backstage and with that they would then be interviewed by the media which we had to kind of rush back and then come back to the ring before the next fight so there was a lot of stuff happening there and especially as an experience I'm very grateful and honored to have been representing you know, obviously Pulse 95 and the halftime show out at UFC 242 and I think they're going to just get stronger and stronger and stronger so guys be patient you know great things are coming ahead and uh, and we are approaching full time of the halftime show already Wow, you know, time flies, we're having fun. But listen, if you guys have missed our show or you do want to catch up, you can view the Halftime Show on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Um, like I said earlier, you know, we we love... Inter- inter- uh, yeah, let's try that again. We love interacting with you guys and we love obviously hearing your feedback. So let us know what you think. Review, like and share. And we are back on Wednesday for a great show as I have a, a special guest coming in from Kuwait. And if you stay tuned to this week, we will review exactly who her name is Rishmi and she's been around the industry for a very very long time Um, so more coming up on the halftime show this week stay tuned for more on Pulse 95 this is Pulse 95 tune in live every Monday Wednesday and Saturday from 3pm 